Hello, welcome to Workplace Wake Up. I'm Jen Shaw. Every week I spend about 15 minutes covering legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests, and providing some entertainment to start your workday. Hello, everyone. I'm Jen Shaw. Thank you so much for joining us this morning for our 100th podcast episode. Oh my gosh, I can't even believe it. You know, I love doing these podcasts and I love hearing what you guys say. Um, Some of you may have heard my little boo-boo a couple of weeks ago where uh, we didn't edit the uh, podcast appropriately. So those of you who heard that, my humble apologies. I want you to know I do love my sister. Uh, She just has a knack of calling during the wrong time. Anyway, for those of you who did not hear our boo-boo, I'm glad. Um, Luckily, not all of you um, had downloaded by the time we caught it. Anyway, my point is, I love these podcasts. They are so fun. I love talking about all of these topics. I love it when you send me ideas. And, you know, it's funny because I can't listen to them. I think I've told a lot of you this. I come up with a topic. I talk to you about what's going on. We have special guests. And then I can't listen to them. I don't want to hear myself. So I just love it when somebody will say, oh, you said this. And I think, I did? That was a good thing to say. Did I really? Or, Jen, I want you to talk about this issue. Great. And then I do, and people love it. So we get a lot of good feedback, and I'm so grateful. And I hope, because this is why I do it, that you find it useful. That is really the point. I mean, as many of you know, during COVID, we did Wake Up Wednesdays with Jen, which were free webinars that we did every Wednesday to try to keep you all relatively sane during uh, the pandemic. And We wanted to continue that tradition with the podcast. So if you've got ideas, if you've got suggestions, we'd love to hear them. We are working really hard right now to schedule as a guest Nobel Prize winner Claudia Golden. She is the woman who just won the Nobel Prize for Economics. And she talks about the gender pay gap. She is fascinating. So I am pulling out every stop I have to try to get her on this podcast. So if any of you happen to know Professor Clauden or you know anyone who can get in touch with her and tell her how grateful we would be to get her on this podcast, I would be so um, excited because I, I was an econ major in college. I know some of you know that. And I would just, oh my gosh, it would be a highlight of my life. So I can only hope we are trying, trying, trying to get uh, Professor Golden on. So we'll see. In the meantime, today, we're going to talk about why you need an employee handbook tune-up. And this is very important because I get questions all the time around this time of the year. Jen, do I really have to update my handbook? It takes so much time, and I have so many other things on my list, and I don't really want to do it. Please say I don't have to. All right, folks. The last couple of weeks, we've talked about the new mandatory paid sick leave. We've talked about the new workplace violence prevention law that requires you to have training and a workplace violence prevention plan and um, logs, violent incident logs, and other documents. There's a lot of legal requirements that are new for 2024. Your handbook or your policy manual, whatever you're going to call it, needs to keep up. So whether you are public or private sector, you have got to figure out, do the changes in the law require me to update my policies? 
my handbook, my manual? Do I need to do something differently? Am I saying something in my current manual and policy that I don't do anymore? Right? So the first thing we say in an employee handbook is this handbook is not a contract. Well, you know what, folks? It basically is because you're telling your employees what you're going to do. So if you say, hey, we do annual performance reviews and your your um, compensation may be increased, decreased, or left the same based on those reviews. If you say something like that, you better do it. And you better actually tie the compensation accordingly if that's what you're saying you're, you're going to do. Now, do you have to have annual performance reviews? No. Do you have to tie compensation to review scores or review feedback? No. But if you say you're going to do it, do it. Okay, do what you say and say what you do. That is a wonderful piece of advice for these employee handbooks and manuals. So Julia Melnico, who is one of our advice and counsel gurus in the firm, she is going to be facilitating a webinar coming up on employee handbooks. And she's going to give you a bunch of really good practical tips and best practices, but I want to cover a few here today. And I also want to say, you know, we don't always have this many webinars that are going on. I feel like the last few podcasts I've told you about these webinars that are coming up because at the end of the year, we always try to capture, okay, do we have new laws that need a little special attention? Do we need something going on? So I realize we got a lot of webinars coming up, but they're good. They're tailored. They're cutting edge. They're really, they're all brand new to give you new stuff that you need to hear. So handbook tune up. All right. The first thing I want you to think about is you've got to have your document be accurate. So you, once again, you do what you say, you say what you do, you make sure you read it for consistency. You ensure that if you are a new employee, do you understand everything that is written? And don't just assume because you read it last year that it's fine. Remember, you're going to have to make some changes for 2024. This is a great opportunity to bring a fresh perspective. Get someone to read it who doesn't usually review and revise. Have them highlight anything that is contradictory, that seems confusing, that doesn't match. We have a public sector employer who I love, and they gave us this project recently that has been so interesting. They have collective bargaining agreements that they have to comply with, and then they have a policy manual. And the provisions in the policy manual are very different in terms of leaves of absence than the collective bargaining agreements. And that doesn't work, right? Because if you have a policy and you don't say, oh, this applies unless the collective bargaining agreement requires differently or states differently or dictates otherwise, then you've got a problem. You have two inconsistent documents, which is exactly what they have. So we had one of the um, folks internally say, well, that's just how it is. You know, there's a collective bargaining agreement. There's policies. You're always going to have some sort of difference. That's true, but it should be purposeful, right? Let's have the same policies when we can. Are we going to require folks to use accrued leave when they're on a leave of absence, accrued time, right? Sick leave, vacation, PTO, whatever. Be be consistent. Make sure that you're clear. If there's a difference between your represented employees and your unrepresented employees, make sure there's a rationale for that difference. Make sure you spell it out carefully. These policies should be written in very plain English. 
If there's one thing that drives me to drink, it's lawyers who think they have to use words like heretofore and herewith and herein. It's so cuckoo. Just write like a regular person. You want your policies and your procedures to be understood, right? So don't complicate it. Be clear, be short, be direct. When I was a brand new lawyer, I worked, um, I guess I was about five years out, actually. I worked for Nordstrom and they used to have a handbook that had one sentence in it do the right thing. That was it. Do the right thing. Their focus was on guest quality, uh, guest satisfaction. That's all they needed. Do the right thing. Now, in the ensuing 30 years, there have been a lot of laws that require policies to be included in handbooks, things like pregnancy, disability leave, workplace violence prevention, um, equal employment opportunity compliance, paid sick leave. There are requirements. But it doesn't have to be 50 pages long. It doesn't have to be even 30 pages long, depending on what kind of a workforce you have. I once reviewed a handbook that had, and I'm not joking, 11 pages on how to keep the kitchen clean. What goes on what shelf in the refrigerator? How to take care of things that are being recycled? How to load the dishwasher? When to unload the dishwasher? Where the plates go? How to take out the trash? It was crazy. How about, you know, We don't have a housekeeper, so clean up after yourself. Like, keep it short and sweet. The other thing about handbooks is you've got to make sure the right people are able to give their input. So if you're talking about what the safety department is going to do, you better have someone from the safety department review the handbook or the policy or the manual to confirm that they are willing to do that. And they are doing that. And that is the plan. One of the things that we see frequently is that these handbooks live in the HR department or the personnel department or admin, and we don't partner with the real constituents, right? We don't partner with everybody in the organization that has a stake. So we're saying that safety or um, reasonable accommodation folks or the workers' comp team or the IT department is going to do something, but they don't even have a chance to look at it and tell us if it's accurate. So what I recommend is you roll out your handbook every January 1. It's ready January 2 when everybody comes back for the new year. You're going to start the process in the fall, in September. You're going to start by doing a full read-through, highlighting anything that's confusing, doesn't make sense, is old news, anything that doesn't belong in there. And then you're going to figure out from your employment law council what changes need to be made for the new year. You'll know that by the middle of October, once all the legislation is is either signed or vetoed. And then you you get ready to roll out for the January uh, 1 or January 2 deadline. If you do this every year, it will become rote. It will become part of your annual plan. It will always be on your agenda and your schedule, and you won't forget to do it. Now, As a last-minute reminder, I want to encourage you to be careful if you are going to use templates or you're going to download something for $99.99. 
um, and, and slap your logo on it and call it your handbook. Remember that depending on where you do business, you may need to have policies that comply with multiple states. You may need to have very complicated leave of absence policies in that case, right? Because you're going to have states that require, like California, mandatory sick leave. Um, we now have, for 2024, uh, reproductive loss leave uh, for someone who, who needs time off because of a miscarriage, for example, or a failed adoption, a failed in vitro fertilization. There are a lot of different things going on. And then you've got states like Massachusetts that have something called small necessities leave. So, You've got to be sure that you're really thinking through what belongs in this handbook. And most of the time, it's caveat emptor, right? You get what you pay for. Buyer beware. So a handbook should not cost you $15,000, right? That's ridiculous. But $99.99 is probably not going to get you what you need. For our clients, if they've already done a handbook with us, the update takes less than an hour. So a couple hundred bucks, right? Not a huge investment, but a ginormous insurance policy. And even for new clients, it's not going to take that much time for us to go through and either give you our template policies that we can tailor for you or go ahead and revise what you already have. Our goal is to make the process easy and get it done, right? We don't want you to be tortured over this, but you got to do it. So whether you use us, you use another law firm, you use an HR consultant, you do it internally Whatever you want is great. Just do it. Because the very first thing that will happen when you have a lawsuit is the opposing counsel is going to want to talk about your policies. What your handbook say? What do your procedures say? How do you handle this issue? How does the document say you're going to handle the issue? Are you doing so consistently? Why did you write it this way? What does it mean? And if you cannot answer these questions, that is going to be a problem. So with your handbooks, your policies, your manuals, whatever you're calling them, consistency is critical. Do what you say, say what you do. You've got to reflect the new laws, right? In, in some years, there are hardly any changes. This year, we don't have too many, right? We've got the reproductive loss leave. We've got the paid sick leave changes. We've got the workplace violence issue. We have new non-compete prohibitions. So there are some things that you're going to need to edit in your handbook, but it's not going to be a huge deal. Get it done. Get it ready to roll. Make sure you have time to proof it. You don't have to give everyone a hard copy. You can make it accessible on the intranet. Do whatever is easy for you. But this is one of those things where you put it on your list, you get it done, and then you move on. Everyone, thank you again for celebrating our 100th episode with me. I am just so honored and privileged to share your time with you every Wednesday morning. So thank you for joining me and keep up the good work. I'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to spread the word, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and or rate and review it. Of course, you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and email us at info at Workplace Wake Up, including its guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. Do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction.